Hi, everyone. A couple of quick things before we get to this week's episode. First, a reminder that our first in-person show recording with a actual live audience in over two years. What? It is happening on Saturday, June 18th, and we want you to be there. We're making this special episode with our friends at public radio station KPCC at their beautiful facility in Pasadena, California. Our scheduled guests for the show are Larry Wilmore and Denise Crosby. You can register for free tickets now at kpcc.org slash live. Next, we have opened registration for our first ever listener tournament, where two listeners will win the chance to be guests on a special mini episode of Go Fact Yourself recorded over Zoom. Now, this is a special perk available only to people who were new, upgrading, or boosting members of our show during this year's Max Fun Drive. If this is you, thank you. And look for an email with details on how to opt into the tournament at the email address where you registered at Maximum Fun. Now, if you haven't gotten that email and you do want to play, make sure to contact April at Maximum MaximumFun.org to get yourself cleared away. You have until June 15th to opt in to play, and over 100 people have already registered. What a tournament this is going to be. And finally, Jay Keith's audio in this episode isn't as good as it should be. Why is that, Jay Keith? Okay, well, I made two recordings on this date. I recorded one a little test to make sure everything was sounding good, and then I made another recording of my side of the actual show, and uh, guess which one I sent to Julian, our editor, and deleted the other one. That's right. I sent him the test and accidentally deleted the good one. But fortunately, we had an audio backup, so that's what you'll be hearing today. My apologies to everyone. I think you'll still enjoy the show. Uh, Speaking of which, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy this episode. Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Wonderful to see you. Nice to see you, J. Keith. And I understand a lot of people have been seeing you lately because you've been on the road doing some pretty interesting gigs. Tell us about that. I know. It's crazy. So I've been really, I took myself off the road for almost two years during the pandemic because, as you know, I had a baby during that time. Now it's, it's. I guess it's time for me to get back out there. <laughs> but my, that I... but, and Helen's got to make some money. <laughs> As of this recording, I've been booked to do a Star Trek convention, like moderate panels at a Star Trek convention in Chicago. And I'm so excited. I'm so yeah. excited. I, I think I speak for all of our listeners when I say, what took so long? <laughs> this seems like such a natural fit. I know. I've never, I myself have never even been as a spectator to a Star Trek convention, but now I've been hired to work uh. as a moderator on Star Trek Con. I'm going to get to meet Kate Mulgrew, who plays Captain Janeway on Star Trek Voyager. I'm also going to meet James Cromwell. Whoa. I know. 
from Babe Pig in the City. Yes, from yes, that'll do, Pig. Very cool, and uh, and you get to meet them as peers now, and not just as a super fan. I am so excited. I have already ordered my costume. Uh, I don't know if I'm even allowed to wear a costume. Since yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say. I don't, I don't recall moderators being in costume, but uh, but why not? But I'm bringing mine just in case, and maybe in my off time, I'll just do a presto changeo and go run and put in my costume. The dream is coming true for Helen Hong. Oh yeah. Well, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest, Helen, who is up first. She is an actor, cosplayer, and host of the popular web series Star Wars The High Republic Show on StarWars.com. It's Christina Ariel. Hello, Christina. Hi. It's so wonderful to have you here. Uh, congrats on this fantastic Star Wars gig, but you also have another new project that you're working on. I do. It's called Headless. It's a Headless Horseman series on Shipwrecked Comedy, and I'm really excited about it. And it's kind of a mystery, and we find out more about the Headless Horseman in a comedic fashion in a 10-part web series. <laughs> wow, that sounds amazing. <laughs> Let's keep talking about it like this. I uh, know that sounds a lot of fun. Well, this Star Wars series that you host called Star Wars The High Republic Show, as far as I understand, because I'm not very steeped in the Star Wars universe, so I don't know if this will be refreshing to talk to me or annoying to talk to me because I don't know much about what you're talking about. But as far as I understand it, Star Wars The High Republic is a book series, and you do a show covering that book series where you talk to the creators and other people involved with the making of this book series. Have I got any of that correct? You are absolutely right. It is a Woo! one of Lucasfilm's biggest publishing initiatives in quite a while. It takes place hundreds of years before the Skywalker saga. It's fantastic. It's a really great series. And so I host a companion series on StarWars.com. We've This is our second season. So it's the second round of books. We're going into phase two of the release. And we just kind of see the Jedi in a time of peace for a minute. Did you get this gig because you were an obsessive Star Wars fan and you couldn't stop talking about it? And they were like, let's just bring her into the fold. No, I do a lot of hosting and I'm a professional role player. So I play Dungeons and Dragons and that's kind of how a lot of people know me. I have played with Dimension 20, Critical Role. I actually just got done doing a one shot with Critical Role. We did an Elden Ring campaign. So Whoa. I played a prophetess who is based off of a popular real housewife. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about you being a Star Wars fan, though, because before you hosted a show on StarWars.com, you actually somehow ended up at a red carpet premiere of a Star Wars movie. I did because I'm also a cosplayer and I do some modeling work with a company called El Hoffer Design and they do geek chic inspired fashions. And so I was Ooh, there modeling this Jedi top. And it's so funny because a couple of weeks before I had seen Donald Glover like out randomly and I was like, a Lando Calrissian cosplay and he was like I'd like to see that one day and then <laughs> we're on the red carpet and he walks up and he's like hey and I was like see I told you and it was a really great moment so when I moved to LA I walked up on the Rogue One premiere and saw like this big setup of Star Wars ships and I was so excited and I was like one day I'm going to be on the other side of this like not on the wall yes. like watching it a couple years later I end up on the red carpet for Solo, dressed like Lando Calrissian, standing underneath the Millennium Falcon. You, you spoke it into existence. You manifested it. I did. I actually introduced myself to John Favreau and Dave Filoni. It's like, what's up? It's my future bosses. <laughs> I love it. As a Star Trek fan who's like recently, you know, like getting getting in, in like folded into the actual world, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening to me. I'm a Star Trek fan, too. 
So don't get it twisted. I love all my stars. There's <laughs> enough room in the galaxy for all of the stars. Oh, a loving message. Last thing I want to ask you about, you mentioned to me recently that you are, quote, a wee bit pregnant. Congratulations. Has that affected your cosplay? Because that has to be the most important consequence of expecting a child. Do you know how many pregnant cosplays I'm going to work into this whole thing? (laughs) (laughs) I have to ask you, as someone who has, like, parents who I tell them what I do for a living and they're like, what? Like, what do your relatives say when they ask you what you do for a living and you're like, I'm a professional cosplayer? Are they like, what are you even saying right now? It's a lot easier now when I have, like, a company behind me whose name they yeah. recognize. <laughs> yeah, a little company called Disney. So you're unemployed. You play dress up. <laughs> you get paid for this. Do you have anything we could see somewhere that maybe we'd know, like not online? I'm like, one day. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm sure that they will be very eager to find a podcast that you were a guest on. Thank you so much for joining us, Christina Ariel. All right, Helen, against whom will Christina be competing? He is an actor, comedian, and storyteller who stars in Somebody Somewhere on HBO. It's Jeff Hiller. Hello, Jeff Hiller. Hello, how are you? Oh, I'm very happy because I'm so happy that you're joining us. I've always enjoyed your work, and I especially love Somebody Somewhere. It is so great, and you are so great on it. Thank you. The only thing that I don't like is that it was only seven episodes of the first season. And in fact, that number seven was very confusing to me because I thought, okay, it's over episode six. Then I saw there was an episode seven. So naturally I thought there's going to be an episode eight (laughs) and an even numbers. Well, why is it only seven? I'm sure you had a lot to do with that on a personal level. Yeah, it was all my my choice. If they let actors tell you how many episodes, every series would be 175 episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. It's one of those shows that likes to surprise you, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of which, I think that's what I love about the show so much is it's, it's so surprising, but in very subtle human ways. It really is unlike anything that I've ever seen on television. And I read that it's unlike anything you've done because you were quoted as saying, I've never played a character who's likable before. I haven't. I've just played customer service representatives my entire (laughs) career. I'm the character that's like, I'm sorry, you don't have a reservation. That's all I (laughs) know. Well, you have played a bunch of maitre d's and a lot of waiters, I understand, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the maitre d's came later. I was like, oh my gosh, I've graduated to maitre d's. (laughs) (laughs) You got a promotion. (laughs) (laughs) All of Somebody Somewhere is shot in rural Illinois. Do I have that right? You shoot on location there? You do, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You have sort of a similar background to your character Joel, in that uh, you're gay, but you were a dedicated churchgoer for a long time. Yes. Was that something that was designed to be in the role or just a happy coincidence from your past? Complete and total coincidence. And like, there are so many coincidences in the role. Like, I have a Vitamix. My character is obsessed with Vitamixes. (laughs) I had a stress rash in high school. He had a stress rash in high school. We both drive Buick LeSabres. Wow. What? Isn't that weird? Specific. I know. <laughs> what do we know so far about a second season? It's happening. Yay! Yay! Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I, I I almost became untense, but still I'm pretty tense. I'm pretty tense. Yeah. <laughs> You're on your way to 175 <laughs> episodes. At seven a season, it's gonna be a yes. many years. It's gonna be a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we knew some of your castmates from Joe's Pub, which of course is at the public theater uh, in New York City. I actually saw you at the public in mm. Bloody Bloody 
Andrew Jackson, which uh, later went to Broadway. But you also worked with the public in their Shakespeare in the Park, which is such a special place to see theater. It's an outdoor venue. It's free to the public. What's it like to perform there? You know, they have all these raccoons that are just wild in the park and they come up and like talk to you and stuff, which at first is like, <laughs> this is so cute. And then you're like, am I going to get rabies? Can you please go away? <laughs> you know, you'll be on stage and you actually see it go from daylight to night. And like, mm. there's always some weird Shakespeare line where they're like, and the wind cometh and then the wind blows. It always happens, you know? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about, one of the other things that you and I have in common is that we both love our cats. Uh, the difference oh. is that your cat has an Instagram account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Tell it's, us about your cat's Instagram account. I should say it's run by my husband, not by me. But okay. yes, her name is Beverly, Beverly Goldberg Hiller. <laughs> and <laughs> she has a, an Instagram called daily underscore Beverly. And um, yeah. it's not updated daily. He is very poor at updating it. But <laughs> when he does... Yes. She shines. She's a star. <laughs> she does. She's very cute. Christina, you're raising your hand. Do you have a question or do you have a, a supportive statement? It is actually technically a supportive statement because I think that we would be remiss if we did not discuss the fact that I am a huge Jeff fan and Jeff is a part of this group of comedians that I consider hella underrated in the Casey Rose Wilson, Danielle Schneider and Paul Shear. Oh, my gosh. Bitch. Sesh. Of course. June Diane Raphael like <laughs> all of you are so underrated and they're all a part of this amazing series that you can watch on Hulu called Hot Wives of Las Vegas and Hot Wives of Orlando and it is a parody of The Real Housewives it's one of the greatest things that you will ever sit down and watch and Jeff plays Antoine Donner it's fantastic the party planner who has very much Real Housewives of Beverly Hills vibes they did that thing where they like outlined my cheeks yeah and like made yes. me look like I'd had a lot of surgery it's it's an, I, I was like, is this a look that I'm making fun of or that I'm owning? <laughs> uh, you own the pink suit, and I would just like to make sure you know that. That pink suit is fantastic. The cut, the fit, so everything, 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, you guys are fangirling on each other. I love it. I love it. Awesome. Well, as if that weren't enough reason to enjoy having you, we're happy to have you. Thank you so much for joining us, Jeff Hiller. Thank you. All right, Jeff and Christina, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Christina, you said you know a lot about the TV show One Tree Hill, <laughs> the movie Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Oh, wow. And the feud between Puma and Adidas or Adidas. <laughs> we'll find out more about that. Whereas Jeff, you said you know a lot about the musical Wicked, the movie Soap Dish, and public health response to HIV prevention in traditionally high-risk groups, but only in the 80s and 90s. Yes. Yes, Helen, that is hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. And I have to say, I enjoyed watching you enjoy hearing the uh, reveal of each other's topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today Bed bugs. <laughs> Up first in bed bugs is Christina with bed. Christina, while either are about the last place you'd want to find a bug, when it comes to the size of beds, what is the difference between the standard sizes of a king bed and a California king bed? A king bed and a California king bed. A king bed is a little larger than a queen bed, but you can mm -hmm. make a California king 
out of two twin size beds put together. <laughs> I just saw you look off to the side. I don't know if you're looking at cue cards or if you're or if that's your tell that you don't know if that's you don't know if that's oh, actually true. That means that everything that just came out of my mouth is conjecture. <laughs> hey, good. That is the conjecture look. Excellent. We live for conjecture on this show. I thought you sold it quite well, actually. You really did. Yeah. yeah. All right. We've got Christina's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. Jeff, if you don't think she's got it just right, you can steal. What do you think? A classic king or a traditional king is taller than it is wide, whereas a California king is wider than it is tall. All right. Uh, excellent answer from Jeff. Also, with a little bit of a tell at the end. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, it is time to put this segment to bed. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Both mattress sizes are almost identical in their total area, but the difference is a standard king-size mattress is shorter but wider than a California king, which means the California king is longer but narrower. The California king is designed for people who are taller than average or who have a narrower bedroom. That's right. A king is 76 inches wide by 80 inches long, and a California king is 84 inches long but only 72 two inches wide. So if you do the math, that means that the standard king is 32 square inches larger than the California king. 32 square inches is only about the size of four playing cards. So if you're playing cards in bed and you need more room for your game, get the king size. I just hope you're not playing solitaire. Helen, how did our guest do? <laughs> Neither one of you got <laughs> No, Jeff, well, really Jeff you were on the right track. Je- yeah, you were close. But Jeff, I, was, I think you flipped. I, I think you it. flipped which you one was did. even wider. You Christina, by the way, two twin beds make a king, not a California king. So a reasonable guess, but I'm sorry, incorrect. But both of you were close. Helen, do we give points for close? No, we don't. <laughs> All right. Up next no. in uh, What's the Difference? <laughs> I would consider giving points for both of you, like giving your answer and then being like, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. That's yep. totally mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I'll, give you, I'll give each of you half a point for that. <laughs> Each of you half a point for your facial expressions. Yay. Wow, that is a first on Go Factor stuff. Congratulations. On a podcast, no less. Yes, yes. Yeah, we really do need to appreciate the visual aspects of the podcast more than we usually do. All right, up next in Bed Bugs is Jeff with Bugs. Jeff, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. In fact, we have two listeners with the same question. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. All right, play it. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. This is Rachel Butler in Kobe, Japan. This is Matt Iman from Waldwick, New Jersey. My question for what's, what's the, difference the difference is... While you don't want either of them to crawl on you in bed... What's the difference between an insect... And a bug? Good luck. Arigato. Wow, those are two vastly different geographical areas. I've always said Go Fact Yourself spans the globe. Uh, <laughs> all right, Jeff, you heard our question that we got from both Rachel and Matt. What is the difference between an insect and a bug? An insect has to have only six legs, whereas a bug can have whatever kind of legs. Whatever kind of legs. Uh, We've got Jeff's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Christina, what do you think? So an insect is really dangerous and it plagues your environment, but a bug just bugs you like a gnat that flies in your eye. They don't actually Mm -hmm. hurt you. They just annoy you, hence why you call them bugs. Oh, very interesting. Little little etymology with our entomology. (laughs) 
Uh, all right. Well, this segment is starting to bug everyone. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts. Here are the facts. Generally speaking, we call bugs any small land creature with more than four legs, whether they're spiders, ticks, or centipedes, which are not insects, by the way, or ants, mosquitoes, or beetles, which are insects because insects are a subset of bugs. They are six-legged creatures that have a body with three segments, head, thorax, and abdomen. But scientifically speaking, bugs are a subset of insects. They're called hemiptera that include aphids, cicadas, and bedbugs. The main difference between them and other insects is their specialized mouth parts used to suck juices, including blood. Yum! <laughs> Yummy, for sure. That's right. In fact, everyone uses the word bug to describe any sort of creepy crawly, even scientists. So when referring to those juice-sucking hemiptera, scientists will call those guys true bugs to distinguish them from all those other bugs. But if I see any, I'm calling an exterminator. Helen, how did our guest do? Jeff, I'm going to give you one point because you did say six-legged creatures, and I'm feeling generous. <laughs> All right. One point for Jeff. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Christina Ariel has half a point, and Jeff Hiller has one and a half points. <laughs> All right. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Helen, it's June. Do you know what that means? Um, it's okay if you don't. Uh, it's. it's uh, I mean, uh, uh, just uh, just because it's my birthday and also my fiance's birthday, <laughs> you know, back to back days in the middle of the month. Oh, it's cool. Boy. Wow, I was going for something a little bit more broad, like 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 spring into summer. But no, it's your birthday. My birthday is a time for everyone to celebrate. <laughs> Helen, you're never going to guess what I plan on buying for my fiance Sarah and what she plans on buying for me for our birthday. I guarantee we're going to have two identical gifts. And what do you think those gifts will be? I'm going to. Take a wild guess and say Magic Spoon Cereal? It is Magic Spoon Cereal. I already ordered a box for her, and I think she already ordered a box for me if she knows what's good for her. And, oh, we're going to have the most wonderful birthday celebrations. When your boxes arrive, are you going to put, like, bows on each and just, and, and like, wrap it up as if it's a surprise? I'm going to guess that she is going to put hers in a lovely gift bag with colorful tissue paper, and I will uh, just give her the box. <laughs> hey, you know why I love Magic Spoon so much? Because eating protein for breakfast can have lots of benefits and can be a great way to tide you over all morning. But for people who do low carb like me, it's hard to find a good protein breakfast that also is delicious. And that is why I love Magic Spoon cereal. It's also got some nutritional stuff that Helen's going to tell you about. <laughs> Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 140 calories, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can build your own box. The nine available flavors to build your very own custom bundle are cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, maple waffle, blueberry muffin, cinnamon roll, and honey nut. Now, honey nut, that doesn't have zero grams of sugar, does it, Helen? It's got one gram of sugar. Whoa. But every other one that I mentioned before Honey Nut has zero grams of sugar. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. And you know what's even more exciting? Magic Spoon just brought back their cereal bars. They were so popular that they brought them back permanently. Oh, I love my Magic Spoon. I'm very excited to mix them up in different ways. Blueberry muffin plus peanut butter. Am I a genius for combining those? Yes. Yes. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Helen, how do people get Magic Spoon and help support our show at the same time? Go to Magic Spoon. 
Spoon.com slash GoFact to grab a custom bundle of cereal. And be sure to use our promo code GoFact at checkout to save $5 off your order. They are so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will give you your money back. No questions asked. Get your delicious bowl of Magic Spoon cereal at magicspoon.com slash gofact. Use that code gofact to save $5 off. Happy birthday to me and Sarah. And thank thank you, you, Magic Magic Spoon. Spoon. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Our comedy podcast, Jordan Jesse Go, just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It was a couple months ago, but we forgot. Uh, Yeah, completely. Our our silly show is 15 years old. That makes it old enough to get its learner's permit. And almost old enough to get the talk. Wow, I hope you got the talk before then. A lot of things have changed in 15 years. Our show's not one of them. We're never changing and you can't make us. Jordan, Jesse, go the same forever at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Christina Ariel and Jeff Hiller. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Christina, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the TV show One Tree Hill, the movie Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, and the feud between Puma and Adidas. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why the TV show One Tree Hill means so much to you. One Tree Hill is one of my comfort shows. It makes me really happy. It's one of those things. It started in 2003, and I was in high school, like coming out of high school in that little time period. But I also remember watching this in one episode of season three. My grandma, I was living with her when I was like 19, like 18 and 19. And so I still kind of connect that. And I also remember this year where I was in Virginia away from my family, and I spent Thanksgiving and Christmas alone that year. And I just binge watched One Tree Hill on, <laughs> like, I had the box sets at the time and I would just watch it over and over and I was really sad. And sometimes it was like, I want to be around other pretty sad people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, Christina, you also said you know a lot about the movie Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. I saw it in movie theaters when I was nine years old. Yeah, I was nine years old. It was fantastic. And also, I am what you call an Ivan Ooze apologist. Ivan Ooze is the giant villain of the movie, played Mm -hmm. by Paul Freeman, who was also in Indiana Jones. This guy is fantastic. He is one of the greatest camp villains of all time. When you have somebody (laughs) that has been trapped in an egg and they talk, he's like, oh, the things I've missed, the Spanish Inquisition, (laughs) the Brady Bunch reunion. He's just a fantastic, (laughs) unapologetic villain who has no loyalties to anyone. And I absolutely love him. And I actually think that Zordon was wrong. He uses teenagers to fight his battles. He's always getting a new group of Power Rangers. They're all expendable. He just replaces them when something goes wrong. So I think that Ivan Ooze was right in pointing out, oh, look, Zordon still has teenagers fighting his battle. It's absolutely true. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Hey, controversial take, but uh, we'll we'll see what kind of tweets we get about it. <laughs> and then finally, Christina, you said you know a lot about the feud between Puma and Adidas or Adidas. I'll let you explain. I just think it's really fascinating and I love feuds like my name is Ryan Murphy. So there's this great, <laughs> these two brothers who started these companies. It's like their dad had a shoe company, then they started their two shoe companies. And there's such a rift in the town created by this war between Adidas and Puma and these two brothers that it was called the like the town of broken necks it's called because people would check your shoes so if you would go to a deli on one side of the road and they would see you were wearing Pumas and you were on the Adidas side they would send you back over 
And then what? like it, they were and it was great because people in the town started this side hustle where they knew if you went to go work on the property of one of the brothers houses, if you wore the wrong shoes, they would take you downstairs to get a new pair of shoes so that you were wearing the right shoes. <laughs> you're willing to take a side on Ivan Ooze versus Zordon. Are you willing to take a side on Puma versus Adidas? If you actually think about culturally how Adidas are in culture, I mean, there's even a run DMC song called My Adidas, which is the closest most yes. people come to actually pronouncing it properly in most conversation is that rap song. <laughs> we actually talked about this when we had DMC as a guest on episode 100 of our show. Wow. All right. So, Christina, to summarize, you said you know a lot about the TV show One Tree Hill, the movie Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie and the feud between Puma and Adidas. Today, we're going to quiz you about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie. Yay! <laughs> Christina is stoked. You actually said when you were choosing your topic, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, which features the greatest villain in history, Ivan Ooze. I also saw a tweet that you put out just a couple days ago saying that this was one of your favorite comfort movies. It is. Tell us about why Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie, it comforts you. It just reminds me of a simpler time, racing home to watch the Power Rangers and then being gifted this great Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie that had the best tie-in toys at McDonald's where you could go and get this really nice gold <laughs> coin Zord thing. It was fantastic. It's such a golden age. It really yeah. is. Like 95, 96, Whitney Houston put was in The Preacher's Wife. I mean, what a time to be alive. <laughs> All right, Christina, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Jeff, do listen closely because if Christina answers incorrectly, you can steal. Jeff, by the way, how much do you know about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie? I just heard that it was a movie. <laughs> okay. Just, that's where just I'm a few at. Minutes ago. Okay, that's where you're at. All right. Well, let's see if uh, Christina gives you a chance. Here is question number one. Christina, the film's opening scene shows the Power Rangers skydiving to a Red Hot Chili Pepper song written and originally performed by Stevie Wonder. The first line of the song is People Keep On Learning. What is the title of this song? Higher Ground. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Higher Ground. Uh, you're very excited about that song? I am because it's great. When I think about that movie, it's one of the first songs that plays in my head besides the scene where the kids are all like, uh-oh, we're in trouble. It's fantastic. And yep. that's a great cover of Higher Ground. It is. a uh, Fun fact, other artists featured in the movie's soundtrack include Devo, They Might Be Giants, and Van Halen. All right. You're on your way. Here's question number two. Though it looks an awful lot like Sydney, Australia, in what fictional city does most of the movie's action on Earth take place? Angel Grove is the city where the Power Rangers are primarily, but they also go to the planet of Phaetos. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Angel Grove is what we we're looking for. Jeff is uh, slowly realizing what he's gotten himself into, <laughs> shaking his head in disbelief. I mean, uh, the fact that you're like, you might be able to steal is hilarious. Um <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact, the large tower featured prominently in the movie is Sydney Tower in Sydney, Australia, which becomes detached from the ground and used as a weapon in the climactic battle. That tower has also been destroyed in a Godzilla movie. All right, here's question number three. When the Rangers return to Earth, they call upon their new ninja zords to battle the Titans. Upon entering their battle machines, the male Rangers excitedly say things like, all systems online and activating weapon system. But which of the following does the female pink Ranger say? Is it let's fight, ready to rock, time to fly, pink power, or nice stereo? Time to fly. Helen? That is not correct. Ooh. No, I'm terribly sorry. Jeff with an unexpected chance to steal. 
Must not be pink power if you didn't say that. A. (laughs) (laughs) I don't believe I gave them letters, but you want to go with the first one? Is that Let's Fight? Yeah, Let's Fight. Helen, is it Let's Fight? It is not Let's Fight. No, I'm terribly sorry. Neither of you got it. It actually was Nice nice stereo. stereo. Yep. She gets into this uh, amazing futuristic uh, aircraft with all of these instruments and she comments on the stereo. All right, no point for either of you. Let's see if you can bounce back with this one. I have a feeling you're going to know this answer. Christina, your beloved villain, Ivan Ooze, recounts some horrible things he's missed since he's been in the egg, including the Black Plague, the Spanish Inquisition, and a reunion of what classic sitcom? (laughs) The Brandy Bunch reunion. (laughs) Helen? That is correct. That is, of course, correct. You happened to mention that before. Very well done. You did not need the hint, but Helen, I know you were eager to have given that hint. What would that hint have been? Here's a story <laughs> of a lovely lady. Thank you so who much, Helen. Oh, nope, she's going very on. lovely girls. <laughs> All of them had hair of gold. Like who? Like their mother. What about the youngest the one? The youngest one in <laughs> I can keep going. I, I know you going. could. I know you could. <laughs> Fun fact, actor Paul Freeman reportedly ad-libbed that line. We also did a segment on the Brady Bunch with guest Rachel Dratch on episode 70 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, Christina, here's question number five. You still have your hint available. Christina, sure, the cast of the movie is great, but it was almost slightly different. What Emmy-winning actor was fired from the film after shooting several scenes as Dulcia? Ooh, I'm going to take that hint. Helen, how about that first hint? Since 1999, she has played Olivia Benson, primetime TV's all-time longest-running live-action character on Law & Order SVU. Mariska Hargitay? Helen? That is correct. That is correct, Mariska Hargitay. You, that, that's something you didn't know? You learned something new ever. Oh my gosh, I'm imagining Mariska Hargitay in the costume for Dulcia on this island, like whipping these sticks around trying to scare off birds. Yeah, how about that? Yes, uh, they'd filmed several scenes and apparently uh, she went home for the holidays and they told her not to come back. And she's <laughs> so, Hollywood royalty. What she is. Well, we all just start somewhere. <laughs> all right, Christina, you bounced back. You did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question question that requires multiple answers, it is time for your cluster fact. All right, Christina, after Rocky the Red Ranger invokes his spirit animal, he performs an impressive physical maneuver to avoid a spiky spear thrown at him by a space creature. For up to three points, what is this spirit animal of Rocky's? What impressive physical position was he in when he avoided that spiky spear? And who played Rocky the Red Power Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie? So there was the bear, the frog, the crane. Oh, what is the other one? Come on, Ninjetti, get in my head. <laughs> Christina calling on the spirit of the mighty Ninjetti. I will come back to that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on that for a second. Okay. And what okay, so he was in a sticky situation mm-hmm. trying to avoid the spear. Oh, was it the one and where it- he was helped by Billy and he came and like raised him up and then they like made them chop each other in half? We're looking for what impressive physical position he was in after he avoided that spiky oh, spear. He was literally like in a split. In a split, okay. And then we're so we're still looking for the spirit animal and also the actor who played Rocky, the Red Power Ranger, in the film. Steven, I believe is his name. I'm trying to remember his last name. I believe his first name is Steven. Steven, okay. And I'm gonna go back to the original question. Yes, the spirit animal. Why? This is the most ridiculous thing in the world that's ever happened to me. That I would forget the one spirit animal of all things. And he's the Red Ranger. So it's yep. it has to be something simple. A monkey. A monkey. Okay. So let's put those all together. So the spirit animal, 
So we're going to go with like a gorilla. A gorilla. Okay. <laughs> the splits. The splits. Okay. And? And then we're going to go with Stephen. Is it Cardenas? Stephen Cardenas, Stephen let's Cardenas. say. Okay, great. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert at hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a martial artist, musician, and actor whose body of work includes playing the Red Power Ranger oh, oh. in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers the movie. It's Steve Cardenas. Shut your mouth. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> You got it right, Steve Cardenas. That's correct. <laughs> we met at a convention at NerdBotCon. Oh, did we? And I was dressed oh, as Gwenna. Okay, yeah, yeah. I remember that convention. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry that I don't remember meeting you. I'm forgetting. I met a whole bunch of people that, that weekend. I do a lot of Comic-Con traveling and stuff like that. Well, hello. How are you? I'm great. This is so awesome. I'm so sorry. Your spirit animal just completely blanked. It's the one. I know it. And it's so <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're actually joining us from uh, across the pond. Tell us uh, where you are and why. Yeah, so I'm in London now. Very, very cool. Um, but I did live in L.A. for 25 years, you know, and that's where we filmed Power Rangers. The TV show was in L.A. at the time. Well, before you got into acting, you already were a black belt martial artist. Uh, you later won championships in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and taekwondo. W why those two disciplines of martial arts? What about those two appealed to you? Well, I mean, when I was a kid, I, you know, I was just obsessed with martial arts and uh, I wanted to learn. And taekwondo was the studio that was right down the street from my house. So... <laughs> That's how I got started in Taekwondo. The, the, the um, ancient art but... of proximity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> then when I got on Power Rangers, mm -hmm. I opened up my own martial arts studio. And then uh, some guy comes in and he's talking about jujitsu. And I'm like, ah, I don't know what that is. I'm all set. I don't want to learn. But he essentially challenged me in my own studio. Oh, wow. And oh. he whipped my ass in about 10 seconds. What? With Brazilian jujitsu. Even though I've been a black belt and I have you know, been training for years at this point. Um, this guy who'd only been training jujitsu for like a year came into my studio and choked me out in front of everybody nice. in like 10 seconds. And I said, that's it. I got to start learning this. And so probably for like the past like 20 years or so, I've been doing BJJ as well. Very cool. Well, let's talk about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, I understand that until you started doing that show and that movie, you had no prior acting experience. None whatsoever. Yeah. I was a, just a martial artist and a gymnast. I heard a commercial on the radio saying, hey, we're looking for new Power Rangers. Um, the show had already been on for a year, so I was yeah. familiar with it. Okay. They said, we're looking for new Power Rangers, so if you know how to do martial arts or gymnastics, come on down to the local TV station. I was living in Dallas, Texas at the time, and um, I was 20 years old, and I said, I'm going to just go down and try it out. You know, I got there to the, to the TV station where they were holding the auditions. And uh, there was like 5,000 people in the parking lot. Oh. And I just said, oh, there's no what? effing way that I'm going to get this part. No way. And I don't know. I did my thing. And they were like, okay, great. Thanks a lot. And I was like, all right, I guess that's it. And then two days later, they called me back. They're like, hey, we really liked your audition. We want to fly you to California wow. to meet the producers. And I'm like, ooh, man, this could be real. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened. But, I mean, I had no aspirations to be an actor or anything like that. It was just something I completely fluked into yeah and so what was that adjustment like to, to going from doing martial arts you know in competition or in, in, a, in a dojo to doing it on camera well i mean everything happened so fast mm -hmm. you know i mean like this, from the day that i held the audition to the day i got hired was four days whoa normally <laughs> auditions usually take months and all that kind of stuff like that but no they they were looking to recast pretty quickly so when i they flew me to california and i got the part they were like okay you can't go home so can you just have your clothes shipped to you <laughs> 
<laughs> so I had to have all my clothes mailed to me. And then, yeah, I never went back to Texas at that That's point. Yeah. Everything was on the job training, mm. you know, because I had no, I didn't know what eyelines were, camera, mm. markers, anything, lighting, all that stuff. I didn't understand any of that. So I was very uncomfortable, very out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. when it came to being in front of the camera. Not when it came to doing the fight scene stuff. Mm. That part was easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it came to doing the, oh, look, there's a giant monster about to attack this city. <laughs> but after, you know, doing 125 episodes and two feature films. Yeah, you kind of uh, get the hang of it. Got very comfortable at the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> How is it doing all that stuff, though, with like full headgear? Because you're wearing a helmet and a mask the whole time. <laughs> Right, right. Um, well, you know, the thing is, in order to save time, we didn't have to do a lot of the helmeted stuff. Because mm-hmm. first of all, a lot of it was Japanese footage, and they would just intercut it with the show anyway. So we'd go in and voice over that. So and then any of the stuff that they did shoot, that was second unit stuff. And they would have the stunt guys, um, the Japanese stunt crew that they brought over the alpha stunt team, um, they would do all the helmeted stuff and we'd go in and voice that later. The reason being is not that we couldn't do our own stunts because we did a lot of plain close fight scenes and we did a lot of our own stunts but the main reason behind that was is that we had a really tight shooting schedule you know so they would be filming second unit fight scene stuff with the helmets on and we would be filming stuff in the command center or the mm-hmm. juice bar or the school or all that stuff uh-huh. right um so they could film simultaneously and get the shows out faster so what do you remember most about making that movie uh which again as we said was filmed a lot of it in australia pretty much my first time out of the country yeah 20 years old just got riding high off this thing that I just got hired on. And all of a sudden, oh, by the way, we're going to Australia to do a movie. I'm like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just couldn't believe how my life had turned around. And, you know, of course, in, in Australia, the drinking age is 18. So I, I wasn't, I was able to legally drink. So I would just literally party my face up. I'd film for 12 hours. Then I'd go party my face off and get back uh, wow. and go back. Uh, yeah. So I'm just, I had so much fun. Yeah. I really took advantage of uh, the time being there, you know, and uh, Sydney, we ended up having to be there for a long time, um, longer than we wanted to be, actually, because, um, you know, they didn't like the way the movie was going, which actually touches back to Mariska Hargate being in the movie. Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. So originally, the, the woman you see in the movie, Dulcia, Gabrielle Fitzpatrick, she was originally hired to be Dulcia. And then she got really ill and had to go to the hospital and all this stuff. And so they scrambled and brought in Mariska Hargitay to do everything. And we filmed about half the movie with her. And then for whatever reason, there was a lot of other things. It wasn't just Mariska Hargitay, but there was a lot of other things about the movie they didn't like. So we ended up just reshooting uh, almost the entire movie. Um, and so, yeah, there was um, and a completely different movie with Delcia and, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of training montage stuff in these Japanese gardens that was never, well, we'll never see the light of day, <laughs> all shot with Mariska Hargitay. So when they decided to reshoot the whole movie, by that time, Gabrielle was all better. So they uh, decided to bring her back and ask Mariska not to come back. I see. Last thing I want to ask you about, you mentioned that you go to a lot of conventions. I know you like interacting with your fans. What are some of the more hardcore things that you've seen people uh, do to show their love of Power Rangers? People will actually have me autograph their arm and then go get that tattoo. Yeah, so I've I've done that many, many, many times. (laughs) And as you know, Christina, you'd go to a lot of Comic-Cons. You know these people are gung-ho. 
like you know i'm sure you know i am that, these right? people so <laughs> yeah i can, I can def- uh, right. the professional exactly. fan girl i'll get it yeah <laughs> that's great right let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned you heard the question that we asked of christina first we wanted to know in mighty Morphin power rangers the movie what is the spirit animal of rocky helen what did christina say christina started by saying monkey and ended by saying gorilla <laughs> And Steve? Christina, you were so close. It's the ape. Mighty Ape Zord. The Mighty Ape Zord. There was one other thing I wanted to touch about, yeah. and it was about the nice stereo thing. Yeah. So the reason that she said that is because it was a tie-in to the very first episode of Power Rangers that ever came out in 1993. When they first got introduced to the Zords, the Pink Rangers slid into the Zords and mm-hmm. said, ooh, cool stereo. And so then they did it for the movie. That was too. a callback anyway, there. Sorry. No, no, no. Very cool. Yeah. No, no. Mm-hmm. We, we love to hear those insights. That's fantastic. That mm-hmm. Do you want to give her half a point for being in the primate family or uh, no points for uh, Monkey or Gorilla? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Yeah. Give her the point. Give That's her the point. Oh, okay. Very I, generous. I, I, and yeah, I mean, we'll give Jeff a half a point. Why, not? Why the heck not? Okay. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Super generous. Just for having to endure my whole story right now. <laughs> well, wow. A full point for Christina and a very surprising half point for Jeff. What a show. All right. Next. Yeah, that's what I do. I'm a giver. You, you are a giver. I mean? We appreciate it. All right. Next, we wanted to know from Christina, what was the impressive physical position that Rocky was in when he avoided that spiky spear? Helen, what did Christina say? Christina said split. And Steve? The splits. That is absolutely right. It's a little bit of movie magic the mm-hmm. way we did that because obviously they didn't want to throw a spear at my crotch because <laughs> was- it was like I would jump up into the splits and then the spear would land in the tree and I'm like, whoa, that was close. Yeah. The way they did it was they started with the spear already stuck in the tree and then they started with me in the splits already and then they yanked the spear away and I would hop down. Wow. And then they reversed the footage. <laughs> Very cool. Wow. And then finally, we wanted to know who did play Rocky the Red Power Rangers in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. Helen, what did Christina say? Christina said Steven Cardenas. And <laughs> you're right. You're right. Yes, a full three points for the cluster for Christina. Congratulations. While we have our expert here, Christina, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our expert? I just want to say thank you for all the entertainment. It's fantastic. I still enjoy the show. I watch it with my boys now. And I just think it's really cool that I really appreciate that to listen. I saw like I saw you on a big screen. I feel like we're bonded. It's amazing. Thank you for Uh, all that. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, it's amazing to me that, you know, almost 30 years later, you know, the fans still come up and line up for us and want to get autographs. And, you know, it's just such a cool thing to forever be part of pop culture now. You know what I mean? It's like a small little fraternity of people that, you know, can say that. And um, I'm just super excited about that and very humbled by it as well, too. So thank you, Christine, for being a fan for all this time. I really appreciate that. Pleasure to meet you. I just can't believe you got that job in four days. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Steve, it's been so wonderful that you've joined us. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. You could just follow me on my Instagram. Um, It's uh, Steve Cardenas PR for Power Ranger at the end. So you can find me the same as Twitter. um, And then I've got my Facebook fan page too, the Steve Cardenas fan page. So please, if you're not following me already, just uh, go ahead and Push that little button. <laughs> Push that button. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute treat. I'm going to say it. Go, go, Power Rangers. Steve Cardenas. Go, go, Power Rangers. Morphin time. Oh, you said the other thing. <laughs> thank you so much, yeah. Steve. Really appreciate thank it. Thank you, guys. All right. Appreciate it. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the end of that round, Christina Ariel has seven and a half points, and Jeff Hiller has two points with a round of questions for Jeff coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Jeff about a topic he knows about. Plus, later, Christina and Jeff will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Oh, Helen, it is time to talk about HelloFresh. 
Hello Fresh. Yeah, this isn't goodbye stale. This is Hello Fresh. Hey, <laughs> skip trips to the grocery store. Count on Hello Fresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Why is Hello Fresh so great, Helen? Hello Fresh offers convenient contact-free delivery right to your doorstep for easy home cooking with the family. The recipes are easy to follow and quick to make with steps and pictures to guide you along the way. Pictures is very key for someone like me like I need them pictures mm-hmm. and there's something for everyone including weekly vegetarian pescatarian and family friendly recipes they sent me a box of hello fresh for a few weeks and oh my gosh you know I figured okay this is going to be pretty good it, it was absolutely delicious and the cool thing is actually it was really easy to make and I think I've said this before in previous ads but it strikes me every time that I make something uh, even if I'm not making with HelloFresh and I use an ingredient that I learned from HelloFresh or I use a technique that I learned from HelloFresh it makes me have wonderful good feelings about HelloFresh and about my own cooking abilities HelloFresh is so great please consider trying it it's so amazing it makes cooking so easy and fast and even helps you when you're not making a HelloFresh meal did I mention the photos Yo, yes. Helen, <laughs> I, I think I'm breaking news here. I think I'm allowed to say it. Those photos, they're in color. <laughs> go to HelloFresh.com slash GoFact16 and use code GoFact16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash GoFact16 and code GoFact16 for up to 16 free meals and Three free gifts. So much free. That's why we say thank thank you. Hello, Fresh. I'm going first. It's me, Jackie Keisha. Man, she's always this bossy. Uh, (laughs) I'm Lori Kilbarton. We're a bunch of stand-up comics, and uh, we've been doing comedy like 60 years total, (laughs) both of us, but we look amazing. uh, We drop every Monday on Max Fun, and it's called The Jackie and Lori Show, and you can listen to it and learn about comedy and learn about anger management and all the things. And Jackie is married but childless, and I'm unmarried but childful. So together, we make one complete woman. Is that just what that one's going to end? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And we try to make Kyle laugh just like that and say, oh, my God, every episode. It's a good job. Jackie and Lori Show, Mondays, only on Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Christina Ariel and Jeff Hiller. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Jeff, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the musical Wicked, the movie Soap Dish, and public health response to HIV prevention in traditionally (laughs) high-risk groups, but only in the 80s and 90s. We do love specifics on this show. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose the musical Wicked as something you know a lot about. I like musical theater a lot. Mm -hmm. I'm a gay man, and I really fit into, like, you know how they have, like, bears and twinks the only one i fit into is show queen i know a lot about (laughs) broadway i just like the music i like stephen schwartz i like winnie holtzman i like (laughs) kristen chenoweth and adina mincel and i remember watching the the tony awards where it was because there was this documentary about the Tony Awards in 2004 Mm -hmm. and so it was about that and avenue q and carolina change and taboo 
So I know all four of those shows very well. Excellent. All right. Uh, you also said you know a lot about the movie Soap Dish. It's campy, but it's smart. Mm-hmm. And it's got mm-hmm. Sally Field. And it is quotable. I quote it almost every day. Almost Give every day. Give us an day. example. I was just recognized on the street. And my husband was giving me a little toot about it. Because he was mm-hmm. like, oh, what's a... Whoa, whoa. And I was like, it's a crutch. It's a crutch because <laughs> she goes to Jersey to get <laughs> recognized. Or I say, yep. on the machine, Rose, on the machine. <laughs> All right. Very good. <laughs> and finally, switching gears a little bit, you said you know a lot about the public health response to HIV prevention in traditionally high-risk groups, but only in the 80s and 90s. I was a social worker for three years, and I worked <gasps> with... Wow. Um, they were called men who have sex with men because they might not identify mm-hmm. as gay or bisexual. And then mm-hmm. IDUs, intravenous drug users. And I did pre and post test counseling and I did outreach where I'd have to like go to bathhouses and gay bars and hand out condoms and then go home alone. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that really is the saddest part about that time in our culture was, was Jeff having to go home alone. Every night, J. Keith, every night. <laughs> oh, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. All right. So to summarize, Jeff, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about the musical Wicked, the movie Soap Dish, and public health response to HIV prevention in traditionally high-risk groups, but only in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> Today, we're going to quiz you about the musical Wicked. <laughs> You're not going to do the HIV prevention one? All the fun, uh, campy questions we could have had from all the that? the fun questions about... Bleach kits? <laughs> 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 I did not get to that in my research, but uh, I know it's an important issue. And if people want to find out more about it, they definitely should contact you directly. <laughs> Let's talk about Wicked. How often have you seen the show? I've seen it in person once, but that was in 2010. It was six years in. I've done the lottery and not won mm-hmm. probably 10 times. Oh. I shouldn't be saying this, but I have seen some okay. bootleg versions. <gasps> I know. Me too. Me too. I admit it. <laughs> I, if you admit it, I admit it. Because I've had several friends be in it, and I want to. Well, I want to know like what they did, how they said yeah. it. Um, now you were on Broadway in Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson at the same time that Wicked was on. Uh, did Did you get to experience being a peer of uh, Wicked? Did that change anything for you? Well, that is how I got to see it because you sometimes ah, okay. get free tickets when you're on Broadway, which makes no sense because like when you're on Broadway, you're actually making enough money to go see Broadway, and you don't have any time to see Broadway. <laughs> but we had a weird matinee schedule. So I saw a matinee of it. Very cool. And uh, do you have a favorite line or a favorite moment from the show? I love anytime people fly on stage ever. And it has two women flying when Belinda comes in and when Elphaba flies at the end of Act One. And um, I don't know. I just like the I like the pyrotechnics of it. I'm very 80s in that sense. I like a musical that's big. That's great. It sure is. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an expert in your topic. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Christina, do listen closely because you can steal if Jeff gets any of them wrong. Christina, how much do you know about the musical Wicked? Absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite musicals of all time. I love Kristen Shadow with my entire heart. I'm very excited for her to hopefully play Dolly Parton in her biopic. I think she's amazing. Also, I did a show where I sang songs from Wicked acapella, and it is. Oh, you are going to okay. rock this competition. I had not even right. known that I there was so a movie. I got excited when I heard yours. <laughs> yeah, very, very interesting contrast to the uh, last quiz. Let's see if uh, Jeff lets you in. Jeff Hiller, here's question number one. Wicked is a prequel of what famous story by L. Frank Baum that became a classic film starring Judy Garland? I'm going to need the hint. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> the Wizard of Oz. Helen? 
That is correct. That is correct. The Wizard of Oz, the film, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, the book. You did not need the hint, but Helen, I know you were eager to have given this hint. What would that hint have been? We're off to see the blank blank, the blank 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 blank, the blank 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 blank. I could keep going. I know you could. I definitely know you could. The way you say it like that, it sounded like you had a really filthy version of it. Yes. All right. Fun fact: L. Frank Baum's first Oz book was published in 1900. Wicked the Musical is based on the novel Wicked: The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West by Gregory Maguire, published nearly 100 years later. Later in 1995. All right, here's question number two. Wow, 1995 was a big year, Christina. You were right. In 2007, Adina Menzel released a pop edition of a song from Wicked, a version of which spent 15 weeks on the Billboard Dance Club chart, peaking at number five. What's the title of this high-flying Act One finale? Defying Gravity. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. (laughs) Christina, did you sing that in your musical review? I did do Defying Gravity, but also No Good Deed is my bop. That's your bop. Fun fact, I screen tested for the Big Gay Sketch Show doing Defying Gravity (gasps) as a show queen who gets a little too into it. (laughs) Wow, it all comes together. A lot of Defying Gravity connections here. Fun fact, while the Korean version of the song title translates to Defying Gravity, the Spanish version is Against Gravity, the Finnish version is Break Gravity, and the Dutch version is I Laugh at Gravity. And I have never been more proud to be of Dutch ancestry. We people who laugh at gravity. (laughs) All right, here's question number three, Jeff. While the two main characters in Wicked are Elphaba and Glinda, there are several other roles. But which of the following is not a character in the musical Wicked? Is it Fiero, Nessa Rose, Bach, Professor M, or Dr. Nicky Dick? <laughs> I know it's not the first three. Those are all characters okay. that are quite okay. mentioned. Nicky Bach sounds weird, too, but maybe, you know, they all got to name themselves. The people who were in the ensemble just got to name themselves. So, like, my friend <laughs> Kathy was in the original cast, and there's a character now named Shen Shen, and she just got, that was just a name she came up with. Okay. I'm going to go with Professor M. Helen, is it Professor M? It is Professor M. That is correct. Congratulations. Very good. That is correct. Fun fact, Fiero is Elphaba's love interest. Nessa Rose is her sister. Bach is Elphaba and Glinda's university friend. And Professor Nicky Dick is the history professor who replaces Dr. Dillamon. By the way, the pronunciation of Nicky Dick was determined by the show's creators. It is never actually spoken during the show. <laughs> so a little bit of a trickiness there, but we didn't fool you there. Very good. You were three for three. Here's question number four. You do still have your two hints available. Uh. What Emmy-winning sitcom actor took over the role of Madame Morrible from original Broadway cast member Carol Shelley? I'm going to ask for the hint because I think that there's going to be a theme song sung. (laughs) That would have been good. We didn't think of that. But Helen, what is that first hint? I could sing the theme song. You could. Sure, go ahead. Let's do that instead. Thank you for being a friend. Boom, 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 boom. I don't know the word that comes after that. A friend and a confidant. It's all right, Jeff. Rue McClanahan. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very good for the point. Fun fact, one of Rue McClanahan's first Broadway gigs was as a standby in 1971's Father's Day, which closed after one performance. In February of this year, Wicked had its 7,000th performance on Broadway (laughs) and is still going strong. Wicked, by the way, was her last Broadway appearance. I know because I read her autobiography. And she was in The Fighting Temptations with Beyonce. Oh, 
come on. The woman had a life. <laughs> she had a life indeed. All right, Jeff, you're four for four. You have a chance to go five for five if you can get this question correct. Wicked was nominated for 10 Tony Awards and won three, including the third Tony Award for Eugene Lee. In what category did Eugene Lee win the Tony for Wicked? Is there a hint for this one, too? There is a hint available if you like it, yes. I don't know if we have a song for it, but we didn't think we had a song for the last one either, so who knows? Helen, how about that second hint? He is the reason the stage looks like a big clock. Oh, right. You know, there was a little documentary. He also did that dragon up at the top. I'm going to say set design. Helen? That is correct. (gasps) Yes, set design. Very good. Jeff Hiller, you are five for five. (gasps) (gasps) Just the reaction I was expecting. (laughs) Fun fact, Eugene Lee also won Tony's for his scenic design for Candide in 1974 and Sweeney Todd in 1979. Whoa, he did the Todd? Okay, Eugene Lee. He went to to Jared. He did the Todd. Uh, Jeff, you obviously did very well in that round, but now here is your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Jeff, in November of 2021, it was announced that a long-awaited movie version of the musical Wicked would go into production in 2022 and that Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo would star in the film. For up to three points, what pair of people are adapting the book, lyrics, and music from the Broadway show that they wrote into the screenplay for the Wicked movie and who is slated to direct the film? I'm going to just go with Stephen Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman. As the people, since they wrote the show, I assume they're going to let them Mm -hmm. still do the, you know, they're not going to have somebody else write music for it. And the director, I kind of feel like I do know this, but I'm I'm going to just say, I don't know, Kenny Leon. I'm just going to. Kenny Leon. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. In fact, we have two experts. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight are the award-winning writers of the book music, lyrics, and screenplay of Wicked. It's Winnie Holtzman and Steven Schwartz. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Christina's freaking out. Hey, Jeff. Christina and Jeff both are covering their mouths with their hands. Hi, Christina. (laughs) Oh, I was so nervous. (laughs) (laughs) You were nervous. Well, Jeff, tell us what's going on with you right now. You're having a pretty strong reaction to meeting Steven Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman. I guess I didn't realize your resources of guests. <laughs> so I was expecting like, you know, somebody who was in the chorus on tour or something. I didn't. <laughs> Aren't you glad now you said nice things about us? Because we were listening. Yeah. <laughs> so I could never say anything bad about either of you. Are you kidding? Oh my no, gosh. No, we of you, Jeff. We, I'm, you're, you're always terrific. And it's really... Really nice to see you and tell you that to your face. I have to say one thing before we talk to Jeff, though, because Christina said that her song that she did was No Good Deed, which is the hardest song to sing in the show. So you must really <laughs> sing. Wicked is my go-to when I have to sing stuff. The last song I ever sang to my grandmother was a song from <laughs> Wicked. So this is like... Mm. Mm. Can I just express, I'm just such a big fan of Jeff Miller. Um, I know. And- and Christina, I had, I was ignorant and didn't know about you. You're amazing. 
You're amazing. <laughs> no, please. I, I, I want to tell our listeners that uh, when I spoke with Winnie before we started recording and I asked her, oh, is there anything in particular that you want to make sure to talk about? She said, I want to make sure I have time to tell Jeff Hiller how great he is. <laughs> Christina Ariel, you're hilarious and wonderful. Yes. Someday we'll need to hear her sing No Good Deed. That's, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I think that's an I'll sing it sore throat and all for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk more about Wicked in a moment, but uh, just to give a little bit of background as well, in addition to your work on Wicked, Winnie, you of course wrote on 30 Something, which was nominated for a WGA award. You also created the beloved show, My So Called Life. The best show in history of television. Nominated for an Emmy for that. And Stephen, of course, your music work includes classic Broadway shows like Pippin Mm. and Godspell, songs for movies like Pocahontas and Prince of Egypt, both of which won you the Oscar. Also, The Magic Show, which is one of my favorite shows. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. Oh, wow, yeah. that's plucked from obscurity. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of movies, uh, we mentioned the Wicked movie is going to be coming along and that it was long awaited. Tell us about sort of the winding journey uh, it was to get this to the big screen finally. Well, honestly, it has to do with timing, like like almost everything in life. And mm-hmm. we have this director, um, Stephen Daldry, on board and we parted as friends. So the timing of it just wasn't working out. And we got so lucky. Um, this is the person you didn't you didn't know the answer to. <laughs> I know, here it comes. Um, but with John Chu, who just directed oh, In the Heights nice. and also directed Crazy Rich Asians, he wanted to do it. He's a perfect person. So we feel really lucky. We are supposed to start shooting at the end of this year. Wow. Um, we actually have a date, which I'm not going to say out loud because it'll just <laughs> okay. jinx it. Yeah. And uh, did I read that uh, we might be hearing some new songs for this movie? Yes. Excellent. Jeff Hiller, you are so amazing, like I said, but you did say something wrong. The, oh, that uh, does friend. not surprise me. <laughs> uh, your beautiful friend, Kathy, um, oh, yes. who was in our original company, who oh, played yeah. Shen Shen, she did not come up with the name Shen Shen. The name Shen Shen is actually a Gregory's original book, <gasps> but what she did invent was the word hideous. Am I right, Steve? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Which we added into the script because she said it, and we loved it. We love her so much. She's no, we love her. <laughs> What's it like to have Stephen Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman uh, completely destroy your reality? <laughs> I'm living for it. I cannot tell you the vibration that I'm having right now. Like my husband is in the other room. My we t- we were playing Pippin earlier today. Like we. <laughs> I used to watch my so-called life instead of friends. This is like wild to me. That's so great. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about the origin of the musical Wicked, because before it was a musical, when it was a book, I read that the book originally was going to be made into a non-musical movie. And Stephen, you had a lot to do with convincing them to let you write a musical. Uh, What was that convincing like? It was talking to a lot of people working my way up the food chain at Universal until I finally got to Mark Platt, who Mm. uh, was running Universal pictures at the time. When I walked into Mark's office before I could say anything, he sang Corner of the Sky to me. From Pippin that you wrote. Yes. Wow. Mark actually sings quite well. I don't know if you know that Ben Platt. The I was going to say, yeah, it must run in the family. He yeah. sang it in The Politician. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes, that's Mark's son. But anyway, that's when I knew I had a chance. Was, was That's terrific. That. And Winnie, I know that one of the things that you really related to was writing for these two strong women characters. Back then, there really wasn't as much done about women's friendships. In the novel, 
the two witches, uh, that before they become who they are going to become, they're put together as reluctant college roommates, but they never really become really friends. It's very different. Glinda is not as significant a character in the novel as she is in the show. And Stephen, speaking of the writing of it, I understand that as you were going along, you changed some of the songs specifically for Edina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth. Defying Gravity, which we were talking about earlier, the fact that the last verse of it just sits up so high vocally developed when we were rehearsing when I was first teaching the song to Adina. And she said, you know, I'm actually flying at this point. I think I should be singing up higher. Just my Mm -hmm. voice should be staying up higher. And I was concerned about her ability to do that eight times a week. (laughs) But she assured me that she could. And so now everybody has to do it. (laughs) (laughs) And then the fact that Glinda sings occasionally in soprano when Mm -hmm. she's being the public face of Glinda, that was written for Kristen because Kristen has this astonishing soprano and we wanted to find a way to use it in the show. And Winnie, I understand that people who've seen it in more recent years have thought that maybe you changed the show to be more political, but it's always been that way. When it opened in 2003, nobody in the press or media ever commented on its political content, which is mm-hmm. is significant. It, it is yeah. a story that has social and political concerns and expression. You know, a line like at the end when Glinda says, we've been through a frightening time. People thought, oh, we added that because we've just been through this pandemic. It's just fascinating to me that how people view something and can see new things in it having to do with what is going on around us. I think that's a a sign of a lasting work of art, that it can continue to have different impacts over time. Last thing I want to ask you about, Stephen, we've talked about Pippin. I was in a production of Pippin in high school. Are you Uh, missing something now? (laughs) Well, I mean, I couldn't. (laughs) Everything has... No, no. I was not Pippin. I was not Charlemagne. I was not Theo. But would you agree that player number four is the key role in the musical Pippin? (laughs) You know, when we found player number four mm-hmm. and and the nuance and yes. specificity of that that's when we knew we we had solved the show thank you you have healed me from many many years ago that is a yes and answer that is, it is. <laughs> and now i don't feel so bad about the time i got the spear trapped in the uh, tarpaulin in the back of the show let's get to the reason we all brought you here as far as our game is concerned and not just to heal my childhood wounds you heard the question we asked jeff first we wanted to know who is slated to direct the film version of Wicked. Helen, what did Jeff say? Jeff said Kenny Leon. And our experts? It's John M. Chu. Kenny's a great director. but He is great, yes. But it's John M. Chu. And that film version of In the Heights was gorgeous. That pool scene? He's fantastic. Oh my yeah, God. John, I can't wait to yeah. see the visuals yeah. of this. But uh, no point there for Jeff. And then finally, want to know what two people could possibly be the ones who are tabbed to adapt the book, lyric, and music from the Broadway show into the Wicked screenplay. Helen, what did Jeff say? Jeff said Stephen Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman. And? He was correct. Yay! We haven't been fired yet. So <laughs> Excellent. I, we'll hope by June he's still correct. <laughs> Before we let you go, Jeff, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to our experts while we have them here? I will tell you, I had to cry for a TV show I was in and I played Morning Glow because I love the part when they all come together and they're all singing at the- I love you both. It's so amazing to meet you via Zoom. Thank you, Jeff. It is, it is <laughs> so amazing. And thank you so much for not hanging up once you heard that uh, both Christina and Jeff have watched Bootlegs of Wicked. Oh. No, we're used I, to I, it. I, I know. We're, we're yeah. used to it. 
Actually, I have to confess, when we were working with Stephen Daltrey as the director, and he wanted to see if there was a recording of the show, I actually called a friend of mine who has a lot of bootlegs, and I asked him if he had Wicked, and he said, which performance do you want? So, yeah. And Christina, we want, since you're a fan, which we did not know, uh, we want to give you a chance. Is there anything you'd like to ask or say to our experts while we have them here? The show Shipwrecked. My co-star is John Rubenstein, the original Pro Pippin. Pippin. So uh-huh. I've just spent like two weeks with him. And now I'm sitting here with the two of you. And it does not feel real because I have sung your song and put on very many concert showers because of it. And <laughs> oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. And it holds up. And the number of times I've listened to that soundtrack and cried. So magical to be in this moment right now. So thank you all. Yeah. I'd like to take a moment to say thank you, too, because it is one of my favorite musicals. And one of my dearest friends, when her mother passed, they played For Good at the funeral. And there wasn't a single dry eye. And everybody loved it so much. So thank you. This is it's really it's a magical piece of art. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Oh, I'm so So happy to hear that. We've done over 100 shows. I don't remember us ever having experts who were so resonant for every single person uh, on the show. So this worked out just beautifully. Winnie Holtzman. And if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? I'm just usually in my backyard writing. There's not that much more. Okay, okay look for Winnie in her backyard. And Stephen Schwartz, where can people find out what you're up to next? Well, I I'm, have to confess that I'm not very active on social media, but I do have a website. So there is StephenSchwartz.com. And it you're, has... you're a healthier person yeah. for it. <laughs> yes, I feel that way. Thank and you. of course, we'll look forward to the Wicked movie whenever that is released. We're excited to hear that that's going to start filming later this year. Thank you so much for joining us. What an absolute honor. Stephen Schwartz and Winnie Holtzman, everybody. Thank you guys so much. That, thank you so much. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? Whew, at the end of that round, Christina Ariel has seven and a half points and Jeff Hiller has nine points. All right. It is now time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Christina and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Christina, the national bird symbol of the United States is an eagle. True. Correct. Jeff, that symbolic eagle is a bald eagle. True. Correct. Christina, there's a species of eagle called the Wahlberg's eagle. False. (laughs) Incorrect. No, there really is. Jeff, the Wahlberg's eagle is named after actor Mark Wahlberg. False. Thankfully, correct. (laughs) Yes, right. It's actually named after a naturalist named Johann August Wahlberg. Christina, Mark Wahlberg played an eagle in a movie. False. Incorrect. No, he really did. Jeff, Mark Wahlberg played an eagle in an animated movie. True. Incorrect. Nope, it was live action. (laughs) Christina, Mark Wahlberg's eagle that he played was a Philadelphia eagle. True. Correct. That's right. He played a football player, Philadelphia Eagle, in the movie Invincible. Jeff, Mark Wahlberg played a falcon in an animated movie. False. Incorrect. (laughs) No, he really did. Christina, Mark Wahlberg's falcon that he played was an Atlanta falcon. False. Correct. Yes, he voiced a character named the Blue Falcon. Jeff, that animated movie with the Blue Falcon also starred reality show judge Simon Cowell. True. Correct. Christina, in that movie, Simon Cowell played an eagle. False. Correct. Jeff, in that movie, Simon Cowell played himself. True. Correct. Christina, in that movie, Simon Cowell tells a singing dog he is terrible. True. Correct. And finally, Jeff, he wasn't wrong. (laughs) True. (laughs) Correct. Although that's subjective. (laughs) 
That is subjective, of course. All right, we're not going to count those last few ones. By the way, that movie was Scoob, 2020 Scoob. All right, well, I want to thank Christina Ariel and Jeff Hiller as Helen tabulates the final score. Helen, are you ready to announce the final score on this episode of Go Fact Yourself? I am. At the end of the game, Christina Ariel has 10 and a half points and Jeff Hiller has 12 points. Oh, very close, but congratulations, Jeff. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Jeff, what will you do with your championship? Uh, you know, I'm going to go have some lunch. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the celebrations never cease. I want to give everyone here on the show a chance to promote anything they might like. Christina, where can people find out what you're up to? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Christina Ariel. It's K-R-Y-S-T-I-N-A-A-R-I-E-L-L-E. If you spell it wrong, you'll get the wrong person. <laughs> well, we're so happy that we had the right person. Christina Ariel, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure. And uh, Jeff Hiller, where can people find out what you're up to? I'm on Instagram, and that's it. And I'm at Boom Boom Hiller. Boom Boom Hiller. All right. A pleasure to have you join us today. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is Helen Hong. Helen, you have some exciting news to share. I do. My very first stand-up comedy special is out now. It is on Amazon Prime and Apple TV Plus and YouTube and just Google it. There's tons of places. Or go to my website, HelenHong.com. The special is called well hong best special title ever well done helen hong (laughs) get it well hong okay we do get it oh she is funny she is helen she is hong she is helen hong and me you can find me on twitter at j underscore keith on instagram at jkeith.net all spelled out that just leads me to thank christina ariel jeff hiller steve cardenas winnie holtzman and stephen schwartz and thank you for listening and supporting our show at maximumfun.org i'm j keith van stratton good night like what you hear, come see us live. It's free, Saturday, June 18 in Pasadena. Go to kpcc.org slash live for free tickets. Meanwhile, please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod, update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com, and buy our T-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like TonyWardArts.com did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, you complete me. I went from not liking podcasts all that much to binge listening this whole series. Thanks, TonyWardArts.com. Or is it TonyWardArts.com? Ooh, Helen? Go Factor is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor and we secretly think the next Batman is Julian Burrell. Today's show engineer is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif. Quiz assistance provided by Clint Tauscher and Kevin Gadzelinski. Promotional graphics by Erich Tran. Added support from Dave Bianchi and Christine Villata. Special thanks to Charmaine Ferenci at SRDA, Fiona Lakeland at Dooley and Company Productions, and Jane Edith Wilson. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go defy gravity! Maximumfun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.